Happy Thanksgiving, Venue Church. I'm glad that you showed up at church today, which is kind of the purpose of Thanksgiving, I feel like. Um, but we, why don't we just say, like, Happy Thanksgiving to God today, Lord. Lord, we love you. We have so much to be thankful for today. Um, one of the things that I'm thankful for just in church right now, um, it's kind of exciting. Um, it's kind of alarming, but it's kind of exciting that we're um, within a... We haven't even been in this building for like a year, but we're having to expand our kids' spaces right now. And so, isn't that great? I talked to the Lord and I said, I could ask him to stop having kids, but they're not gonna. Stop it. Um, I love that. And I'm just gonna be honest with you that what we do here matters to us, but what happens in kids' spaces matters more to us. Because if we can, if we can, catch a kid early and give them purpose in life and Jesus, then I don't have to talk to broken people like you. Can you imagine living an entire life in Christ, giving an entire life knowing what your purpose is on this earth? I mean, it just blows my mind. And so you need to thank a kid's uh, worker. You need to get on a kid's team because what we do there, it, the ripple effect of that is huge. Now, God loves you too, adults, but uh, God loves the little children. And so we are, we, we just bless our kids' ministry. And we're grateful that we get to do that. Um, when we're praying for the food at Thanksgiving, when I'm praying for the food and blessing the food, I'm not, I'm not praying for the broccoli or the green beans or the whatever. Today's sermon uh, is called Nobody Prays for Broccoli. Um, I married a girl who's a great cook, and so that's a good thing. And uh, single ladies, if you're out there, I'm saying we're not as complicated as you think. Uh, if you can cook, that's a huge deal. And so uh, that's got super awkward, and I'm like, I'm just saying, like, we're not complicated. So that was a stab at the guys there. But I remember my wife made me a meal. Um, uh, That's the first. She invited me over. She's like, you want to come over for a meal? I'm like, I would go anywhere for free food. And so I came, and I'm like, oh, I got thinking about it. I'm going to have to eat a lot of meals. I feel like you don't know this. How far back do I have to go here for relationships? We're talking about relationship goals right now. Uh, in the church, and uh, you're going to love today's sermon. You're going to love um, and hate it at the same time, because I am preaching a little bit about um, about broccoli. You know, when we're thankful in our lives right now, and God, uh, you know, we have a, a, the meal of the day that we're in, or the week that we're in, or the just period of life that you're in, I feel like what we do is we're like, God, I need to eat more ice cream so that I have more to be thankful for, because we're grateful for ice cream, but I don't know how grateful we are for like broccoli. You know what I'm saying? Unless you're like one of those weird people that likes broccoli. Are you? What? Is... I can like make a plate of food and Pastor Aaron doesn't even need to be in the house. And the ghost of Pastor Aaron puts broccoli on my plate. Like I come back, I'm like, I'm on the only one in the house and I come back and there's like, what, what do you, you like cut up cucumbers, right? There's always like cucumbers and broccoli or just something has been added to this plate that's green. And my, uh, my attitude about broccoli and about things like that and salad is that uh, why eat what food eats? Thanks, Sean. Um, 
I think today, I think sometimes, this is what we're like sometimes. Like we wake up in the morning, we, we have a prayer time. I hope you have a prayer time every morning. We have a prayer time and we're like, okay, okay, now I need to be thankful for something. It's like, okay, uh, do I have anything in my life that I can be thankful for right now? You know, of all the thousand things that I have right now in my life, do I have anything that I can be thankful for? And God is like, A, like, are you kidding me right now? Because you can't think of something in your life that God gave you that's good. Like, it's just good that I'm not God because I'd be like, y'all. But I think, I think part of the problem is, is that we're not thanking God for the broccoli in our life. Or the thing in our life that we don't really like right now that's, that's happening. And I think that today's uh, sermon about Thanksgiving, I'm going to show you that you actually had about 10,000 more things to thank God for than you thought. Because the Word of God says, give thanks in every circumstance. And we're like, I give thanks when my circumstances align that make me somewhat happy. And God's like, no, actually be thankful in everything because I am at, actually at work in everything. Whether you see it or not, particularly in the places that you don't like that you're in. God is like, I have a purpose in those places too. And so in our relationships, like, I just want to start with this whole place of relationship. Cause I'm like, I could do like what, what Canada is doing right now. And we're like, Hey, I want you to be like happy and fulfilled and at peace. And, and, uh, cause nobody gets into any relationship ever. Like you don't have a baby so that the baby can break you. You know what I'm saying? So like months in, you're like, I can't do this anymore. I can't function. I haven't slept in forever. Nobody has a baby for that. You know, like we have a baby to make us happy, right? We have a baby to like to fulfill us and then we can like finally make them the hockey player that we weren't, you know? And so it's like, yes, finally, I get to like push my entire life on them and they get to like, so I'm not disappointed anymore. And so, but nobody gets into any relationship, whether it's a friendship, like nobody goes and gets a new job and their relationship with their supervisor. They're like, I hope one day this gets really broken. Like what we're looking for is we're like looking for those places where it's all like ice cream, where we're like, everything is at peace and all my things have lined up. And do you like the way I'm doing that? I'm like all my things have lined up. Am I being millennial? I watch like the millennials when they get saucy, their heads like do this thing that I, I didn't learn how to do because I come from a different generation of baby boomers and their heads didn't do that. This like little like this, can I like, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like, so I'm like oh no, you didn't. Yeah, it's like, oh no, you didn't. And um, it's just that this, this attitude I'm thinking to myself, I think we're missing an entire thing. But and, and the Holy Spirit has shown me something that, that is going to, I think, change this uh, in your mind, hopefully forever today. Misconception, brokenness is the enemy in relationships. If you can fix that, misconception, brokenness is the enemy in relationships. Now, Here's, here's what I would say about that. Nobody gets into a relationship, and, you, and you'd be kind of weird to get into a relationship being like, I hope this really breaks me. Um, that would make you kind of odd. But now what I'm not saying here is that brokenness is the, 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 the destination and where we're working towards. But brokenness in relationships is actually the path. And you and I were so like oriented, I am anyways, I'm so oriented to this like idealistic life that, that, that I want to get to so that we never fight again in our marriage, so we never fight again with church people, so that we never, my daughter stops listening to death metal at the six in the morning as loud as she can. Eilish, I know, it's surprising, right? No, she totally doesn't do that. It's just this idea of like, look, we're not trying to like move everything towards brokenness, but we don't understand that brokenness is actually the path. And uh, it's not, not only is it not the enemy, brokenness can be our friend. And if we started thanking God for brokenness, then maybe we'd have a lot more material to thank God for. Now, um, 
when, when you get in a relationship with anybody, this is just naturally what we do. So I'm, I'm just going to play it off because my wife is here right now, Pastor Aaron. I'm Pastor Corey, by the way, if we haven't met. Come and meet me. I want to meet you. Um, but that's Pastor Aaron, and we've been together for like a few years. 23 years. You know what? I was at the marriage group, and we have like 400 people in a marriage group right now. And I'm like, oh, we've got a lot of bad marriages in the church. And the... Um, <laughs> like people working on their marriages. That's what I actually said. I'm like, oh, y'all have bad marriages? Um, so anyways, uh, and one of the guys is like, how long have you been married? And I'm like, oh, you, you didn't. You didn't do that right now. Thank you, venue guys. How long? How many years do you think you've been married? And I'm like, <gasps> and then I panic. I do what I do. I panic. It's like, it's like when I try to remember somebody's name after I preach two sermons. And I, like, I called Justin his brother's name last week. I added an A to somebody else's name because I just panic. And I'm just like... <gasps> And I know the answer to how many years I've been married. I know it. And Pastor Aaron showed me a trick. And in the moment, in the small group, I forgot the trick. Because I panicked. I, I panicked so deep. And this is the trick. Like, this is how, and I still can't remember after 23 years of marriage that you just take the year that it is and add a year. 2022, just add one. It's been 23 years. Somebody asked me, how long have you been married? I'm glad you asked, 23 years. <laughs> now listen, when we got into that relationship, when you get into a relationship with anybody, unconsciously what we do is we take a box of what we hope our life is going to look like and our dreams, and we actually hand it to the other person. Um, and so it's, it's nice when you hand it, you're like, hey, there's some great things in this box. And they're like, it just feels like a box of rocks. Like it just feels kind of heavy. How long do I have to hold on to this for? And then you hand them your box of your hopes and dreams. And when you get into a new career, you hand your supervisor one, you hand your coworkers one, and like here. And then every few months we check in on their box and we're like, have you been working on, on my dreams? Or are you just like, you're just lugging it around? Well, you're supposed to do something with this. You know, and, and my dream when I entered even the, the dating relationship with Pastor Aaron, my dream was like, hey, because I'm built a certain way. I'm like, I want to build something great. So I handed her this box that said, help me build something great. Hope you like long hours. You know? And she, because she's wired very differently than I am, she handed me a box that was like, make me feel like when I hold puppies. And you're laughing because you're like, that's not what you're going to do. I'm like, I know. And so every now and again, she'd be like, I don't feel like I'm holding a puppy right now. And every now and again, I'd be like, I feel like you're complaining a lot about all the hours and stuff, but we're like, you're helping me build stuff, right? What I really meant was like, you want to make me feel important, not just build something important. I feel like over 23 years, hopefully I'm less there and more in like just the building side, but still. And, and your supervisor work is like, I'm, what is it? I'm supposed to help you find your ideal career that you love to go to every day. I don't even like my job all that much, but it pays the bills, you know, like, and I'm supposed to like help you, you know, um, I thought marriage was going to be like moving in with a buddy from high school because I didn't have any sisters. I didn't know. And so I didn't understand psychological warfare and all the things. And so, and so I thought it was going to be like, like, this is how I thought marriage fights were going to go. What do you want to watch on TV? Football? Great. You know? Like the first time you put the toilet paper roll on, I would be like, oh, hey, uh, Aaron, can you just come in here? And you see the toilet paper roll. So when it's underneath, you always got to go fishing for it. And then your nails get underneath there. Come on, somebody amen me. Come on now. And it's like, if you just turn it the other way and then just, just do that forever. And then the next time it happened, I was like, but we've already done this. 
And like maybe 400 or 500 or 5,000 times later, I'm like, but see, so, and then I'm like, maybe you have forgotten the previous conversations. She's great now, the toilet paper. We, we won. I won. <laughs> but sometimes every now and again, I'm like, but see, we've talked about this. Nobody gets into a relationship where we think, where, where we're like, ideally, we're going to have the same fight every day until we die. And it's going to be like really difficult some days. And it's, and we're waiting for everything to line up and we're waiting for all the bugs to get worked out. And from my personality, I'm waiting so that I don't lose anymore. And so all I do is win, 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 no matter, you know, and I'm waiting for that moment so that I have something to give thanks to God for when God's like, um, you're missing like real, the, the deeper levels of Thanksgiving here. Now, um, now. I sat at a very high-priced psychologist one time who, who revealed something to me that I didn't know about myself, which everybody's like, I don't have any blind spots. And your wife is like, are you kidding me? And um, so I sat out with a psychologist and I'm like, I very carefully explained how I didn't feel like I was winning in, in our marriage and our sense of like, I didn't feel like our marriage was winning. And the psychologist said, well, what if God doesn't want you to win? And I sat there and like blinked a bunch and said, can you repeat the question? And she said, just again, what if God doesn't want you to win? And I said, I don't get it. And I realized my entire, uh, the premise of my entire, that, that particular relationship. But we, we have this at work all the time. We have a child with a, an assumption of what this is supposed to look like and what it's supposed to do for me. And I realized, like, if that assumption is wrong... And I, I, cause I don't, I hate losing. I hate losing. It's like the worst thing for somebody like me is losing. And yet we found ourselves in a family place and in a marriage place that somebody hears in that it just felt like that's all that we were doing was losing. And I, I don't even know now after all the lessons I've learned that I appreciate and embrace taking a loss the way that I should. When God in the middle of one of those days said, why don't you thank me for this right now? And I'm like, are you kidding me for losing? For doing all the things you said and losing anyways, you know, like that sense of, of outrage of, it was something I didn't understand. And I, I realized that, um, that we're not thinking about destiny, right? We're not thinking about life, right? You know, I was going to call this sermon, um, a mosaic because I think what we're doing is, is we're trying to connect with like our, our, have you seen like a tile? A tiled mosaic. Have you ever seen one of those? So like your life is like a tile, Kim. And so you have like these four sides of this tile and it's kind of like a great looking tile. But if you put it down beside a bunch of other tiles in a bathroom and you go into a public space and you know, use the bathroom, you don't come out thinking to yourself, that was an amazing tile. You know, like that tile, I would go back there and not even use the bathroom because that tile was incredible. And, and see, but God is up to something far greater than your lifetime will even, even accomplish. And I would say if your goal in your lifetime, you could actually attain it, you're living way too small. Um, I have so many goals with, with God reaching our city and our province and our nation that like, Aaron and I, Pastor Aaron and I need to have a lot more babies to carry on that, but she doesn't want to. <laughs> Part of me is also done with that too. But the, this whole idea of like, so, so this is what God, because you're here on earth to connect with God and to connect with people. And you have some surface area of a tile 
that can connect, but it can't connect to too many more tiles. Think about it like this. Like, it can connect to a few tiles, and I see people in life trying to connect with, like, two or three people. And, but then, then you get into God's plan for your life, and God's like, hey, I'm going to put you down on the concrete here, and I'm going to uh, smash you. And there's going to be, like, a uh, hundred splinters of you. And I'm going to take these, and I'm going to take your spouse, and I'm going to take your teenager. And you don't mind it when God smashes your teenager. And then, and your boss, you don't mind that either. And then God is like, I'm going to build something actually beautiful. So that when, when people walk past it and see it, it's something that is remembered. And so I, I actually, God's plan is actually to take and shatter you because there's a lot more surface area in your life that needs to connect. And if you have a, an unbroken tile, you can only connect a little. But if you're made into a thousand little pieces, then all of those surface areas can connect with people. And you can connect with people here, and you can connect with people here, and your small group, and your team at church, and your people at work. And you can actually have the connection that you really want in this lifetime, but it only comes when you're broken. Now, the mosaic that God builds is not broken. Nobody looks at a mosaic and says, it's broken. No, it's beautiful. It's integrated. How on earth did you put all the pieces that went into it? were? And stop thinking of your life like a destination, like we are going on a road to a destination. Stop thinking of it like a destination, like if I can just get here. Because all of our Canadian dreams right now are like, I just want to get here. Somebody help me get to my dream. And God is like, your life, you're, you're missing the entire understanding of, of what destiny is. It's not a destination that you're trying to get to. What it actually is, is a highway that God is using your life to partly build to get a whole bunch of people someplace. And, but, but when you build the highway, we just want the smooth areas and we just wait until we're like riding on somebody else's highway and it's all smooth. And then we give thanks to God for that. But God's like, actually, I need to break down the tile. I need to break down the rocks in your life to much smaller rocks, because this is, this is what it's like. The dreams that I had Pastor Aaron carry were like, hey, basically make me great, or help me at least. Make me great, or help make me build something great. And she's like, I want to remember a feeling I had when I was six and was holding puppies. And we hand, and that, that thing becomes a rock in, in the middle of the road. But you can't build a highway. And everybody who's trying to build a highway that's integrated and that's bigger than your life runs into your giant rock that's sitting in the middle of the road. And because the density of our immaturity and our assumption that it's so dense that you can't put a giant rock under a road when everything around it has a different density. You can't pack it the same. You can't. And what God's got to do is he's got to start putting a jackhammer on that thing and and leveling it down until you're mixing with other people's broken places as well. And then we all get tamped down together and we all get built into the foundation for a highway, not just for us, but for our city, not just for our city, but for our province, not just for our province, but for our nation to come. It's why we give money overseas because we are part of a foundation to help somebody else get there. We're part of a foundation that helps somebody else find their purpose. Because you're not here to find your purpose. You're here to help somebody else find theirs. That's when you find yours. But it feels like taking a loss. But the scriptures say, you won't find your life until you lose it. And the world is saying, you won't find your life until you find it. And it's not working. I'm zipping through this.
Pastor Craig Rochelle said that you might impress somebody with your strength. And that's why you get together in the first place where you're like, oh, they're so strong. I saw my wife and I'm like, hey, she needs protection. And I'm good at that. I'll do that. And uh, you might impress somebody with your strength. But as the saying goes, you connect in your weakness. And I hate weakness. And that's a problem. I hate it. I, uh, the scripture says, um, in our weakness, Jesus is made strong. David said, a broken and a contrite heart, these you, you will not despise, O God. So I wonder if God is despising the hard heart. See, there's two types of brokenness, and this is what we hate about it, that if you've experienced the brokenness of sin, or your father hurt you, or whatever that looks like, you've been betrayed, when you experience that kind of brokenness, you get hard, and you actually, it just becomes a giant rock in, in your soul and a rock in your path, right? You become hard. You become untrusting. You become, in some regards, uh, survivalistic and selfish, right? And so when you're in survival mode, everybody, like you'll step on anybody to just get another breath of air. I'm telling you. You didn't know that. But when you experience, see, God can actually use the brokenness of sin even in your life because God is much bigger than all of this. God can use, use all the brokenness that we experience in life. But when we experience the brokenness of Jesus, because you think to yourself, well, God doesn't want me to be broken. But Jesus came and was broken just to connect with you. His life was shattered into a thousand pieces. He didn't deserve any of that to connect with you, Joel, and to connect with you and to connect with me. and to Because if he wasn't shattered, he couldn't connect because there was nothing good in me to connect with him. So his life was shattered and brought down to our level somehow, yet without sin. So that we could be built back up into something as beautiful. Um, I took Pastor Aaron to the River uh, Cafe. Have you ever been there in Calgary on Princess Island Park? And there's like kind of the river and there's ducks there. And it's kind of, have you never been there before? You've been there. You can raise your hand. It's okay to go to restaurants and go to church. Sometimes I'll say something about The Simpsons or something, and everybody's like, I've never watched that show. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm drinking Red Bull this morning, so it's either going to be really great or really something else. Um, so, so I took her there, and, and we were booked. This was before COVID. So before COVID, the Copes never, like when we were sick and stuff, and I had a huge fever this day, we, did, we always did the things that we always did. Like, we never didn't go to work or school. I remember missing school one day for being sick when I was... Now, maybe there was more than that, but I doubt it. And my dad would be like, no, it was just the one day. Because we used to, you know, function. That was just our... The, that's just our family. And so, and so I had booked this for Pastor Aaron. And I'm like, let's... let's uh, well, so we'll go. So, so we went there. And she told me afterwards, she told me, like, that was my favorite birthday ever. And because uh, I was so sick that I just sat there and just stared into her eyes. And she talked and talked and talked. And I just went like this and just looked outside sometimes and came back around. I'm like, oh, where? Oh, this is great. And um, she's like, I've never felt so connected. I'm like, I'm not sure what you were connecting to, but I'm glad that you said all the things. Don't ask me any questions about it later because I'm not... I don't know if I was really there. I was just trying not to pass out in my chair. So just like, keep your eyes open. Like, the way that your eyes wide and just really connected me. I'm like, I'm just great. Sometimes guys are like, you win when you just keep your mouth shut. 
she apologized for something one time that I didn't, I didn't know what she was talking about. And I just felt the spirit of God tell me, just shut up and take it. Because she's never going to apologize for anything again. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that story? She's like, I'm sorry for the thing that I said. And I was going to be like, like what thing? But then she'd probably get mad because she's like, you don't even remember the thing. <laughs> like, I don't. So I just like, I'm like, well, we all say things that we, that we shouldn't. It's okay. <laughs> that is the only marriage argument I ever won, everybody. That's the only one. <laughs> For years of my life, I was like, God, why don't you just fix my wife? I wasn't happy. I'm like, God, why don't you just fix her? Because she was kind of broken. Well, I was kind of broken too, but nobody looks at their own brokenness as like, I'm really broken. Nobody should live with me, right? I'm like, God, if only this would happen, then I could be thankful. And then I could enjoy life. And then I could, and I was missing the entire point of the thing. Um, the brokenness of the world puts you in a place where you don't want to be handled. And you don't want to be shattered. And you want to try to control everything. But when we bring that brokenness to Jesus, then we're like, we get to this place where we start trusting in God, our Father, and the Holy Spirit to like, handle me, move me, shatter me. If I don't get what I want, great. Because we start understanding we're something, we're part of something that's greater that's going to go on after this generation to the next one. And hopefully to the next one. And we're going to start understanding like, all of this pain is for something. James, the brother of Jesus, says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? He says, don't they come from evil desires at war within you? Another scripture says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Which means that if God is at work, then the enemy is at work as well. And it's actually a war that's happening inside of us. And when we're fighting, every fight can be broken down with your teenager, can be broken down to you saying, I'm not getting what I want. And them saying, I'm not getting what I want. And, and James, the brother of Jesus, has a unique view on this. You've got you to think about James, because from what we hear in the scriptures, we don't think that he was following Jesus and a believer in Jesus until after Jesus was resurrected. Now, I know everybody's like, well, if I didn't have a hard life, if I didn't see what I saw, and if, I, if Jesus spoke to me, or if I met Jesus, then I would believe in Jesus. His brother lived with him and didn't believe in him. <laughs> because there was something... In his relationship with Jesus that was out, there was an assumption at the bottom that was like my assumption and like your assumption. Even when you come to church, some people get birthed into Christianity all weird because they come in and they think they can maintain their assumption that Jesus, it's your job to make people love me now. And Jesus, it's your job to take the fighting out. And it's your job to give me a job that pays me more than I'm worth that I don't have to go to. And I want to eat ice cream and not get... I don't want to exercise. And, he, and he's saying, maybe he's saying this, I lived with the Son of God. And maybe I was trying to use him to fulfill my dreams. Maybe I was trying to get his life to be the foundation for my dream highway. But now, after, I, maybe he's saying, like, I realize now that it's my job to lay my life down to make his dream highway happen. Because then we all get to where we need to go. Maybe my life is bigger now because I, I'm, I'm not leveraging him for me. Maybe I'm letting him leverage me for something that's far greater. 
He says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have. Here's what I would say, what, you, what Instagram says that they have. They have problems too. Listen, don't trade your husband in. The next guy's just as dumb. Like, it looks great, like, oh, we're just having this amazing fall day. Like, yeah, they have not amazing days, too. Everybody has brokenness. Don't trade in your brokenness for somebody else's brokenness and break what you already have. You know what I'm saying? It's just this idea of, like, you, you, you're jealous of what others have. You can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Worship, wait till I'm, I'm done. Uh, verse 4, would you? And um, you fight and wage war to take it away from them. And it says, yet yeah, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. We're like, no, I ask God for what I want all the time. Not really, not, not in the way that James is talking about. You don't have what you want because you want to ask God for it. Because sometimes God is like, we're asking God, like, take the brokenness away. And we might actually have to hear from, we might have to hear from the Holy Spirit. But I'm using the brokenness. Nobody wants brokenness. As long as you hate brokenness, the devil can put a gun to your head and make you do stuff and make you say stuff. Make you hate the work of God in your life that God is using and working all things together for your good in spite of everything that the devil is doing. And as long as the devil can put a gun to your head and panic you and you haven't appreciated brokenness, like, I'm still, I still hate brokenness, but I'm maybe starting to learn a little bit like, hey, in my weakness, maybe God is strong and maybe... James is like, I lived with Jesus and didn't ask him because I was afraid that I wouldn't get what I wanted. Well, maybe not getting what you wanted, maybe getting what you needed was better. Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. James is like, Jesus is far more concerned about the highway that somebody else can ride in on so that they don't have to experience what you experienced. So that your brokenness can actually matter for something as far greater than your life. Listen, everybody has a brokenness. Listen, your kids are going to have brokenness of their own that they're going to have to deal with. Don't make them deal with your brokenness too. They're supposed to go higher than you. The last thing I want is for my children to have the same struggle we have. They're going to have their own struggle. I better, come on, I better work on this. I better be okay being a foundation. Maybe the Red Bull's poisoning me. Then James, because he's not done hurting our feelings, says, you adulterers. <clears throat> this is when dad walks into the locker room and kicks a chair across the room. He's like, oh, you call that a first period. He's doing something. He's, he's doing a shock value for us. Everybody loves doing the shock value and being the coach in the locker room. Nobody likes it when you're the kid like, yes, sir. No, I didn't skate. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again because you're not listening. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. All they care about is their dream. All they care about is some destination they're never going to get to in this life. You get heaven. But in this world, you will have trouble because... But be of good cheer. I have overcome it. I'm building a highway. 
It's not just you. You have to get there with somebody. And if you don't struggle, then you won't get there with strugglers. Because the world's dream never involves shattering your tiles so somebody else's dream can come true. But you'll never be fulfilled until you will. I worry that, that some of us in our careers, all we're trying to do is, is make enough money, and the devil has money, so he'll give it to you. He'll, he'll find a way, if that's all it takes. That's why God says, like, bring your 10% to the storehouse and then give offerings to the poor and then do the things that Venue Church does and that if you get a hold of generosity, you do. Because money can own you. And then what? What's the end, end goal? Being 80, sitting on a beach with your little tile beside your wife's little tile if she still likes you by then? Driving a, a nice car tile? You know what I'm saying? I mean, how, how many 80 years old in Canada? Because there's a lot of wealth in this nation compared to a lot of nations. I'm like, how many 80 years? I, I would hate to be that person sitting on a beach whose life didn't matter, who didn't do anything, who didn't build anything great for God, who wasn't, didn't allow themselves to get crushed so that somebody else could find salvation and find... Who cares? We got to build a highway to that beach. No, I'm just... No, I'm getting... I like the beach, don't get me wrong. Like, I like the beach. You know what I was thinking? If we just, like, sawed off BC and turned up the sun with global warming or however that works. <laughs> I don't have to get on a... Okay. Anyways. I love BC. It's, it's nothing against BC. It's just they're in the wrong place. Then, it, then, it's, then James says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Humble yourself. He's saying, he's saying, you can do this one of two ways. But if you want to live with Jesus, and you want to live in the blessing of God, and you want your life to matter, he's like, uh, there's another scripture that says, fall on the rock who we understand is Jesus. Like there is one rock on this road. Fall on that rock because that rock breaks you into gravel. Or, he said, the other option is, lest it fall on you one day and grind you to powder. If, if you want to maintain your pride and you don't want to give it up and you don't want your life to matter to somebody else's life, and, and you refuse to fall on the rock, but that's like a voluntary thing. That's like a, I'm going to allow myself to experience this brokenness so that I can be crushed and built into something that matters. If you wait for that, then eventually what's going to happen is a judgment where like God's holiness falls on you and grinds you into nothing that you can't build anything with powder. Did you know that you're probably being broken by that person at work right now or maybe in something as hard as, as marriage? Or you're your relationship with your child is not right. And that's just a huge, look, everything else can be working, but some of these relationships, man, when they're, they're that, they cut deep, right? Did you know that maybe, just maybe, they're hurting you. Just, just, maybe your dad hurt you. Maybe there's just pain and suffering in your life. And you're a child of God. And you're like, why is this happening, God? And God is like, I don't have any. There's nothing in them that is open to me right now. And until, ready? Change your life. Until they hurt you or steal from you or betray you, 
And until you forgive them, I have nothing in them. I can't. Their ears are so closed. Their heart is so hard. Until, until you can turn the cheek and say, God, forgive them, like Jesus said. Until you can be like, I forgive. I'm not going to, they're not going to owe me that anymore, God. I'm going to, I'm, you work it out or don't. Until you have something to forgive, God has nothing in them because remember choice. God will never go against a person's choices. That's how they were built. You're like, well, what if they make the wrong choice? Here's, here's what you gave them. You gave them an opportunity. Didn't Jesus, that's, he died on a cross and bled out for, to give you an opportunity. He had no guarantees about you either. But the beauty about life in God is that when somebody hurts you and betrays you and steals from you, God's like, well, you're my child and I can heal that. Whether or not they change, I don't know. That's up to them. At least they have an opportunity now. Ready son of God, ready daughter of God. But it always changes you. It always changes you. Stop wishing it didn't happen. It happened. And God is bigger. And God is greater. And God can heal. And God can bring salvation out of death. 